0: Amen. Returning in God's word this evening to the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Colossians and to the chapter 1. Paul's letter to the Colossians and the chapter 1. If you have been with us on a Tuesday night, uh, we've been looking through this particular portion of Scripture. And we're going to read once again from the 13th verse. And the portion is perhaps becoming uh, all the more familiar to us as we return to it uh, over a number of weeks. And so we're going to come to Colossians 1, breaking in at the verse 13. And let us follow uh, God's word together. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, the apostle writes, "'Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness.'" and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Amen. We'll end a reading there at the 20th verse. May the Lord add his own blessing to this reading from his own precious and infallible word. I want tonight to center my thoughts around the words of verse 19. And in verse 19 we read, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. In him should all fullness dwell. And my thought this evening from this verse is the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. The main theme so far in chapter 1 of Colossians has really been the supremacy of Christ. And we took as our text the words at the end of verse 18 to highlight that. Where we read that in all things he might have the preeminence. And the Lord Jesus Christ having all the preeminence is really setting forth his supremacy. And we noted that how he was preeminent in conversion. And in those different elements of conversion, are deliverance, he hath delivered us. And in our translation, he hath translated us. And in our redemption, he has redeemed us. And in our forgiveness, he has forgiven us. And so in all things in relation to conversion, he must have the preeminence. He's supreme. And then we drew attention as well to the preeminence of Christ in creation. That's noted in the verses as well that we have read together this evening. Verse 16, for example, For by him were all things created. By him, he's preeminent in creation. At the end of uh, the verse 17, By him all things consist. And so when it comes to creation, the Lord Jesus Christ again has all the preeminence by him it's for him and it's by him that all things consist we finished last time by thinking about the preeminence of christ in the church and there you can see the illustration given in the verse 18 and he is the head of the body the church the head of the body And when you think about the physical body and the head of the physical body, well, it's the head that's in control. And all the members of the body must follow that direction from the head. And so when it comes to the church, the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of his church. And every saved soul, every blood-bought, redeemed child of God becomes a member of that body, the church. And we should be taking our direction and our guidance from the one who is our head. So you can see clearly in these verses of Scripture the supremacy of Christ. He must have all the preeminence. But when it comes to verse 19, it's beginning to address here another theme in the first chapter. And it's moving from the supremacy of Christ to The sufficiency of Christ. The sufficiency of Christ. In verse 19, the apostle said, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now that's an important verse of Scripture. There's a statement here in this 19th verse that is of huge importance when it comes to the person Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the statement is that in him should all fullness dwell. And we come there to see the all-sufficiency of Christ. He is the all-sufficient Savior. Because in him dwelleth all the fullness. All the fullness is in him. That word fullness there. It was actually a word that was used by the Gnostic teachers. That's those who were really a threat to the church at Colossae here. One of the reasons why the Apostle Paul is writing the letter in the first place. Those Gnostic teachers were coming in with heresy and with false teaching. And the Apostle Paul must address that. But the Apostle is using a word that they used concerning the Lord. The original language of the New Testament, it's the word pleroma, and it's translated in our text of Scripture, fullness. And when the Gnostic used that word, they were speaking about the hidden God. They were speaking about the one who was of absolute Perfection. The Apostle Paul takes that term and he applies it to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says he is the pleroma. He is the one who is of absolute perfection. And he is showing here the sufficiency of the Savior. And when you follow Paul's line of teaching here, you can see that he is stating categorically the absolute perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, in everything that we would ever require, we find it in the Savior, because in him is all the fullness. That fullness is in Christ. And that's the fullness that I want us to think about for a moment or two before we come to our season of prayer. What does that fullness of Christ speak to us about tonight? Well, firstly, it speaks to us about the perfection of Christ, the perfection of Christ's fullness. Two words there that appear in verse 19, and it's the words... All fullness. All fullness. And so when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And the word all there is all inclusive. All inclusive. And the word fullness there, as we have already indicated, is a reference to the absolute perfection of God. It's a reference to the attributes of the Lord, to the character of the Lord. It's speaking here about the fullness that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore it's all fullness. And we could say tonight it's an infinite fullness. It's perfection, whereby there is no deficiency whatsoever. All fullness is in him. What a wealth of grace. What a wealth of glory. That which is inexhaustible that we could never fully fathom, it is there found in the Lord Jesus Christ. This fullness and notice the expression of that fullness from verse nineteen. Paul writes for it pleased the Father. It pleased the Father. God the Father is pleased with the fullness of his Son. It pleased the Father. Twice over from heaven. God the Father would say how he was pleased with his son. He would say, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And here we're reading the words of the apostle, that it pleased the Father, that in him should all fullness dwell. When you go back up a little bit in this passage in Colossians chapter 1, you find there at the end of verse 13 there's a reference there to his dear son referring to the son of the father he's his dear son and if you have a margin in your Bible there you can see that that could also be translated the son of his love and so here's God's dear son here's the son of his love and it pleased the father That in him should all fullness dwell. It pleased the Father. Things that please God. That's really a study in itself. You could maybe go through some of them in your own time. You think of Isaiah 53. We read there it pleased God. To bruise him. That's hard for us to take in how it would please the Father to bruise the Son. It pleased God. You think of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, a verse that we would often quote in prayer, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It pleased God to save them that believe. You think of the words of the apostle when he wrote to Galatians in chapter 1 and then the verses 15 and 16. You would read there again, it pleased God. The apostle says, to reveal his son in me. You could follow that. It, It pleased God to bruise him. It pleased God to save. And it pleased God to reveal his son in me. And here we're reading about it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. There's this expression about the fullness of the Lord. Then you notice as well the exclusiveness of this fullness. It says, for it pleased the Father that in him, and I'm emphasizing those words in him, as in it's in him alone That this fullness dwells, not in any other. This fullness is not found in an angel. This fullness is not found in the church. This fullness is not found in the saints. This fullness is not found in man. This fullness is found in him. In the Lord Jesus Christ alone no one else. The Lord Jesus exclusively is the all sufficient Savior, and you notice the words that in him should all fullness dwell dwells in him. The word dwell means to abide. It is the thought of habitation. And it has the thought in the original language of that of permanence. And it is there in the Lord Jesus Christ permanently. Yesterday, today, and forever. No change. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ with this fullness. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. There's the excellency of this fullness. We've drawn attention to those words already. All fullness. And we bring you back to them. And the word all is a word that the apostle is using here a number of times. If you look in verse 16, you find the word all. For by him were all things created. And you can see it there in verse 17. And he is before all things. There, In the verse 18 as well, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Verse 20, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. In verse 19, the word all, it's there again. And you can see how the apostle is using the word all when he's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The excellencies of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all fullness. And that fullness is enlarged upon when you come into chapter 2 and you cast your eye down to verse 9. And it's really a parallel verse here. And there's something of repetition in chapter 2 and the verse 9. And it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness. And then here's where the apostle enlarges on it. All the fullness of the Godhead. That's hard for us to, to take in and to comprehend that the fullness that's in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the fullness of the Godhead. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh and in the Lord Jesus Christ you have that full revelation of God to man because it's in him and in him alone dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. If you were to Look back a little bit in your Bible to Ephesians and the chapter 4 and the verse 13. Ephesians 4 and the verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You can see there the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And we would say tonight, it cannot be measured. The fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ is beyond measure. It's limitless because it's the fullness of the Godhead. There's the excellencies of that fullness. And when you think of this truth as well, there's the embodiment of this fullness, because when you glance there at chapter two and verse nine again, there's a word at the end that I didn't quote. We read, "For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, and if there had have been a full stop there at the words "Godhead," it would still be a tremendous truth." A truth that we would have difficulty understanding and taking in, that in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. All the perfections of God are there in him. But the apostle goes further than that. And he adds the word bodily. Bodily. And that's bringing us to think about the incarnation of Christ. That's bringing us to think about the Savior taking on a body. A body hast thou prepared me. That's the Savior being born in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's the Lord coming into this world. There's his humanity. Oh, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. That's his deity and it's perfect deity. But it's all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and there's his humanity, and it's perfect humanity, the two natures, the two natures coming together in the one person. And again, the apostle here is addressing the false teaching of the Gnostic because uh, they would have believed that all matter was evil. And therefore, uh, the body being made up of matter, the body is evil. The Apostle Paul says, no. When it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, in him dwelleth all the fullness, all the perfection of the Godhead bodily. It's there in him bodily. And it's a perfect body. And it's a perfect humanity. And it's all found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the huge importance of the statement in relation to the person of our Lord and Savior that all fullness is in him? The perfection of Christ's fullness. But very quickly, I want you to see, secondly, the provision of Christ's fullness It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And whenever you think of that, here is this deep well from which we draw. And all of this fullness that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, the believer finds in this fullness the satisfaction. That's why I opened with that hymn. There's none but Christ can satisfy. None but Christ can satisfy. He satisfies the longing soul. And he fills the hungry soul with goodness. And I want you tonight just to ponder all that we have in Christ. That all that we need is found in him. All that we need is found in him. When we came as sinners to the Savior, we needed a new heart. In Ezekiel 36, the Lord says, A new heart also will I give you. We came to the Savior, we needed a new life, and he says, I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. We needed a righteousness. And thank God we're clothed in Christ's perfect righteousness. It has been imputed to us. It has been received by faith alone. And we needed pardon. We needed forgiveness. And we found it in Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. No matter what the need is tonight, there's a fullness there in Christ. And it's found in Him. That need is found in Him. The provision is there in the Saviour. Our second hymn tonight was Wesley's hymn, Charles Wesley Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. And in verse 4 of that hymn, it was the first two lines that really drew me to it tonight. He said, Thou, O Christ, Art all I want, more than all in thee I find. More than all. More than all in thee I find. An inexhaustible supply in the Lord Jesus Christ. What provision there is for the believer in his fullness. We could never exhaust it. The fullness of Christ in contrast to this world. And many are looking to the world for satisfaction. Many are looking to the world for fulfillment. But they soon learn of the emptiness of this old world. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. This world is not sufficient. This world cannot satisfy this world is barren. This world is dry. But thank God for the fullness of an all sufficient Saviour. We think of our own hearts, and our own hearts without the Saviour are empty. They're dark, and they're lonely. But thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ, the entrance of His Word gives light to our hearts. And the Lord has promised to come into our hearts and to to live within our hearts. He's promised never to leave and never to forsake his children. What provision there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And through that blessed union with him, there's his fullness. When you think about that fullness, there's the perfection of Christ's fullness and the provision of Christ's fullness. But my final thought tonight is the partaking of Christ's fullness. The the actual partaking of it. It's important to, to actually grasp this point as we close tonight. That you can know all about the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ and you can know all of the provision that he has, but oh, you must partake of it if you were sitting at home tonight and you were, you were so hungry and yet within the larder and within the cupboards and the fridge the place is coming down with food why would you sit hungry? Oh, partake. Why would you live like a pauper if your bank accounted plenty? If you had a fullness there to partake of why would you live as a pauper? Though in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ, let us partake. Let us draw out of his fullness. The Lord is willing to impart to us. The Lord wants us to come and to ask of him that he would impart to us. Out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth. He giveth. He giveth again. And we could never exhaust that supply, but oh, that we would come uh, to partake of the Lord. Over in John's Gospel, and in the chapter 1, the Apostle John actually refers to The fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure you're familiar with the verse in John chapter 1 and the verse 14. And John writes, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. He's full of grace and truth. And if we want to be Christ like, then we should be full of grace and truth. And we need the Lord to impart that grace and that truth to us. And you can see the balance that there is there. He's full of grace and truth. You could be so full of grace, as it were, and of no truth. Or you could be so full of truth, but you've no grace. We wouldn't be Christ-like if that were the case. But to be Christ-like, we must have both grace and truth. And in John 1 and verse 16, listen to these words. John says, And of his fullness of all we received, grace for grace. He says of the Savior, he's full of grace and truth. And a verse later he says, and of his fullness we have received. Though that we might partake of that fullness of the Lord. We know that with Colossians, we've already drawn your attention to the fact that there are many similarities to the truths that Paul would have taught to the Ephesians as well, and there are many parallels that are there. And in Ephesians chapter 1, and the verses 22 and 23, it says, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And John was able to say of his fullness we have received. And now Paul writing to the Ephesians says, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We're able to be filled with his fullness. We should be bubbling over with the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ to be a partaker. It's interesting with the Apostle Peter and in Second Peter chapter 1, and there in the verse 4, he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. That's an expression that I often consider partakers of the divine nature. I'm saying tonight that we need to be a partaker of Christ's fullness. And He's willing to impart it to us. And we can receive of His fullness. And we can be filled that He is our all in all. And we can be partakers of the divine nature. And we can reflect something of the beauty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, His fullness. Be a partaker of that. Again in Ephesians, it's the chapter 3 and the verse 19. And Paul says, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Where do we find the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ? We find it in his love the work that the Savior accomplished there upon that center tree, the Lord suffering, the Lord laying down his life, the Lord dying for us, there's his love manifested to us. And, all oh, we ought to dwell much upon the love of Christ. And when we know the love of Christ, and it's a love which passeth knowledge, we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Partaking of his fullness, those riches, those perfections that are in Christ. We wouldn't want to go through our Christian lives and and to miss this fullness that is found in Christ. I read about a lady called Sylvia Bloom. She died back in twenty sixteen in America. Sylvia Bloom she worked for a law firm for many decades and she was just a secretary but she learned from that law firm how to invest and anyway she traveled every day to and from work on public transport and she went home every evening to a very modest apartment which she shared with her husband And when she died in 2016 at 96 years of age, they discovered something that she had a fortune of $9 million. Not one of her family even knew. Those who were so close to her were totally unaware of her wealth, of her riches, of her fortune. They didn't discover it until she died. Oh, when we think of the wealth and the riches for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we wouldn't want to miss out on that. The Lord has revealed it to us in his word and we would want to be partakers of his fullness and of his riches. May the Lord bless these thoughts to our hearts this evening.